0: As part of our vision to transform the healthcare experience, Temecula Valley Hospital brings you TVH Health Chat. Here's Melanie Cole.
1: According to the NIH and the CDC, Opiate addiction is a major issue in the U.S. with prescription opiate addiction being one of the biggest drug problems in the country today. Use of these drugs has skyrocketed in recent years. My guest today is Dr. Kyle Vincent. He's a board-certified family medicine physician and a member of the medical staff at Temecula Valley Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Vincent. So what are opiates and why are they so addictive?
0: Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for having me. Uh, So the class of opiates is a class of medication. That act on um, your nervous system, um, that really just dull and de- and and uh, block pain receptors from being transferred, um, is the main way that they act on the body, which is why they are given to patients um, post-surgery, after a car accident, um, and other major traumas that obviously would send a lot of pain signals to the body.
1: Why are they so addictive?
0: So they're addictive for a number of different reasons. The the one reason is they do a good job of dulling the pain. That's that's one of the reasons. And and um, you know when I gave the talk at the hospital, pain in and of itself is a difficult thing to be objective about, simply because there's no lab test, there's no image, there's no real objective way to tell someone else how much pain they are in. So in because of that dynamic of of what it's treating um you know you don't want patients to be in pain so you can give them something that will block the pain receptors uh that will obviously make the, make them have pain relief now the reason they're addictive is because while yes they're blocking receptors they're also uh signaling your body that 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 process doesn't have to occur as often and your body does become adaptable um to that and therefore it doesn't take all that long to, for your body to just get used to those, uh, to that particular medication and crave that. And that becomes your body's new normal, um, despite even whether it's corrective surgery or, or anything else <clears throat> to where that, uh, you wouldn't necessarily have pain, but, um, because your body's now used to it, that is why they're addictive and our bodies, they do work in cycles. They do work in refeeding cycles to where, um, something that, that you have become accustomed to would just become a part of your, your day-to-day, your daily life, and and that is why uh, they become addicted.
1: So what are some of the short-term and long-term effects of taking opiates if someone has to take them for a good amount of time? And also, does everybody that takes them for a longer period of time, do they become addicted?
0: So the short-term effects is how they should be used. Uh, they, they really are not designed or should they be uh, used for any extended period of time, maybe two weeks at the very maximum. The whole purpose of, of the way that they should be used is to, like I said, just dull the pain or block the pain receptors, but hopefully a corrective surgery or rehab or um, transitioning to a lower, uh, a different class of pain medication, albeit Tylenol or Advil or something like that. That should take place in a two, one to two week period. Um, so the pain can be con- controlled and managed without becoming addicted. Now, as far as who, who is at risk for becoming addicted, that's pretty much everybody who takes it. Um, there's not a addictive personality. There's not a, um, family history of addiction necessarily that makes one group more predisposed than the other um because it is acting on your central nervous system is, as far as the mechanism of the medication, everybody who takes it can become addicted. But the goal is, and this gets to just having some expectation management, you really should probably use it longer than a couple of weeks at the very most, and then hopefully either you've had something that corrects uh, why you're experiencing some pain or we've transitioned to a different medication class that's not addictive, that's not harmful to your body. And and um, you would be able to manage your pain like that going forward.
1: Dr. Vincent, what are some red flags, signs and symptoms for yourself or a loved one that you might notice in somebody if they are becoming addicted to opioids?
0: So the signs and symptoms really are similar to addictive behavior, regardless of what the addiction is, whether it's alcohol, illicit drug use, the same would call for would be the same for opioids in that any sort of withdrawal, any sort of isolation um, that uh, from previous social activities and things that you would enjoy or that they would otherwise enjoy, those types of behaviors are red flags. Working and, and attempting to get uh, opioids uh, in different ways, multiple ER visits <clears throat> to just continue to consistently uh, get a different prescription, and they would always the, the red flag would be that they would have to be different ERs because they wouldn't be able to return to the same ER to get more and more of the same uh, type of prescription. So just finding out and dedicating more time as to how they can get a a new prescription, that in and of itself is a a red flag. And then, um, you know, overall social work, financial, just your day-to-day type of activities, not being as as good at those as you previously were. Um, You know, slacking off in your job, not being as attentive at home, um and, and all of those types of things would be big red flags as far as uh, addiction.
1: How is it diagnosed, and how would you suggest people start that conversation to get someone into a physician to get diagnosed?
0: So the diagnosis is a clinical diagnosis, albeit the, it's a, It's getting information as far as how someone's behavior is, and then we would also get uh, a a extended history of the medication use, how long they've been using the medication, what has been done um in in <clears throat> in the in that time period as far as what would be done to address the pain i mean that it at all start because they were given um that particular medication because they were had some report of pain so we would want to know what has been, what has been done about that what are we doing about that and, and if, if there's anything else um that that we can do to treat the source of the pain not merely blunt the um the, the the pain signals from transferring so it's a clinical diagnosis. And then the biggest thing, and it's kind of a, a good principle in all of medicine, it's a lot easier to stop a problem before it really begins. So anyone that is going to start to take an opioid for a short-term period of time or that that um, has been prescribed that, you know, what family members, the patients themselves, the doctor that's prescribing it, they should have the expectation that this should not be a long-term um, um, situation. Um, coming back from pain or, or, or surgery or anything that requires physical therapy, they should be encouraged to do a lot of other things that would uh, address the pain and address the causes of the pain that they're feeling as opposed to just numbing the the, the, the pain response um, and treating it that way because that in and of itself is not a necessary treatment. So some expectation management is one big thing um, as far as when the, when the prescription is first prescribed and then... On the flip side, if they are already addicted, well, then really just laying out the uh, the harmful effects of addiction, which go into obviously death, as you mentioned, um you know being being less of a functioning member of society with jobs and their family life and how all the different people that they are affecting and making that them aware of that, and really getting on a road for detox and everything else so we can so they can get back to their normal lifestyle and everything.
1: So, Dr. Vincent, people hear about opioids and they think about overdose, but according to a recent study in JAMA, more people are dying of heart and breathing problems caused by opioid use than accidental overdoses. What would you like the listeners to know? I mean, this kind of goes back a little bit to the long-term and short-term effects of opiates, but it can cause heart problems, yes?
0: Yes, it can. So it gets a little uh more into the pathophysiology of it all, but essentially what occurs is you have two different, you have two uh compartments of your nervous system, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic is what you use when you're excited, it's what you use when you exercise, it's what you use pretty much throughout the day. You're responding, you're reacting, you're doing a lot of things consciously to, you know, trigger your brain, your muscles, and everything else to move. Your parasympathetic nervous system is the thing, is the part of your system that you don't necessarily think about. You don't, uh, remind yourself to breathe. You don't remind yourself to have a heartbeat. You don't actively do any of those things. Part of, uh, the the opioids act on that parasympathetic part of your nervous system and they make that, they hype your, uh, parasympathetic nervous system in the sense of they slow down everything else. So they slow down your breathing. They slow down your heart rate. And that is when you get tolerant of a particular dose of opioid medication um, in order to receive the response that uh, one is receiving when they become addicted, they have to take more. And taking more of those opioids then slows down your heart rate that much more. It slows down your breathing that much more. And then therein lies the, the complications from your heart and your lungs and everything else, simply because you have heightened that parasympathetic nervous system so much that it's it slowed it down almost to a halt.
1: And what treatment options are available today? What are you looking at to help people with this addiction and for their families to get involved as well?
0: So the treatment option, it is something that you have, it's pretty much broken down into two parts is how the treatment options would work. One is that you have to go into an uh, intensive detox period. Um, and that is something where you would have to Slowly wean yourself off of the opioid. And that is something that cannot be done abruptly simply because if you, if you just cut it all off cold turkey, so to speak, then your, your nervous system and your body is going to react in a very volatile way that puts you also more at risk for heart and lung complications. So you'd have to get in an inpatient facility where they would have a medical doctor on staff and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, really have a lot of hands on deck to really monitor you as, as, uh, we bring patients out of that acute phase of, um, really, uh, being addicted. So it, that would be a slowly weaned process. Once that process is complete, well, then there's, a, there's a whole counseling side to it. There's, there's behavioral sides to it because it does become a behavior, um, depending on how deep and how long the patient has become addicted. I'm sure that they, uh, would have, Adapted or learned or become part of different, uh, social circles that, that have enabled them to maintain this addiction for an extended period of time. So then there would be a part in, in that. So the main thing as far as where to go to get treatment, I would look at, you know, inpatient, um, rehab first and then a large part, um, to make sure that the, the rehab works and the rehab is, is effective and, and that it completely stops patients from using opioids is that that there's a large counseling component to it, um, all of which is supervised under a medical doctor simply because they can monitor uh, the opioids, they can monitor any other medication the patient may be taking, and then obviously the behavior in and of itself would have been improved and changed for the better as, um, you know, that's a large component to, to addiction as a whole.
1: So wrap it up for us, Doctor Vincent. What would you like the listeners to know about the opioid epidemic in this country, and why they should come to Temecula Valley Hospital for their care?
0: I would like the, everyone to know that it, it's a it's the, the epidemic is very real, and it it does not discriminate necessarily. It it can affect anyone who has been given an opioid, and because of the power of the medication, uh, it really is not. Uh, that hard to become addicted to them. That being said, um, coming to Tomega Valley Hospital for very good expectation management, having the tools and the resources and the people that are there to address your pain in a much different, safer way is the best way to um, steer clear of that potential of that risk. And it's something if, in fact, you uh, a loved one or someone is happen to be addicted then it's something that uh, we would definitely be able to do the inpatient portion and uh, really, really hone in and make sure patients get to the right place, right facilities to really uh, get rid of their addiction um, so they can go on and live a nice, healthy life.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Vincent, for being with us today and for such great and important information for listeners to hear. You're listening to TVH Health Chat with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, please visit TemeculaValleyHospital.com. That's TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.